This episode, a new chance to play games if you don't mind a drive over the Wisconsin border. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 23rd episode of Board Game Times, the podcast about the people, places, and events making tabletop gaming great in Chicago. As always, I'm your host, Clark Bender. Thanks for being here. In a few minutes, I'll have this week's interview with Aaron DeMaster of the Strong Tower Gamers Group and convention launching this fall near Milwaukee. But first, uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Probably about six weeks. That's about three or four weeks longer than we normally go before I get an episode out. And I'm, you know, a little unhappy about that. There's a couple of reasons for that. I'm still getting used to my new schedule at work, and I just have not been doing as good a job lining up guests as I'd like. I'm sorry for that. I just got a cop to it. I just haven't been able to line people up and make the time for interviews in the way that I have in the past. And uh, I'm going to try and do better, but, you know, it's a work in progress. I also suffered a massive computer failure over the last couple of weeks, and that was uh, pretty distressing, as you can imagine, especially when all my work is done remotely on the computer. It's all sorted out now. I've got a brand new computer. It's a screamer. I love it. It's going to last me forever. But I just kind of had to prioritize the work I was putting in on that and the things I was fixing on the computer, and unfortunately, the podcast had to slip a little uh, below on the queue. One of the things I also had to prioritize was going to the Gaming Hoopla convention a couple of weeks ago in nearby Mundelein. Playing games, you know, kind of always wins. I've talked about the Hoopla before, and I've spoken to both Jay Bartelt and Beth Hiley, who are participants and organizers for the event. They do such a great job. It was a fantastic convention, about 300, 350 people. I think they raised almost $36,000 for cancer charities a great cause, a super weekend. They had an amazing raffle. As always, they have a great auction, took away a few games, even managed to win something at the raffle. I got the game Golem, which is going to be kind of a brain burner. I'm looking forward to playing that, and I'll talk about another brain burner in a moment. But it was just a really great time. Played a ton of games, a lot of card games that I don't normally get to play. I just don't own a lot of card games, so I don't really know my way around a lot of like quick, you know, 15, 30-minute games. To be done with cards, I tend to buy heavier games, I guess. So that was a lot of fun. Also played a a variety of games. I played Ginkopolis for the first time. QE, which is, you know, kind of this nutty game where you can bid pretty much anything you want. Played a game of Grand Austria Hotel, which I always love. Learned the game Yukon Airways, which is a fun pick-up-and-deliver game up in the Great White North, as it were. Lost Ruins of Arnak. I got to teach that to some folks. That was fun. Played The King is Dead, which I'd never done before such a good time and it's always about just playing and having a great time at the table and this was no exception i mentioned a brain burner a moment ago this game golem but i got an amazing opportunity to play a brain burner that i've been looking forward to playing for a while arkwright i'd heard about arkwright a while back Uh, i even bought a copy at the convention that was on sale somebody was getting rid of it really was looking forward to playing it and learning about it and wow it was interesting very much what i was expecting it's a very economic game Not a lot of chance, although you do get some sort of player special abilities. Really interesting game about 19th century England, late 18th and uh, early 19th century England. Just found it really fascinating. It's all about the choices you make, and it's all about interacting with this market. So I could talk about it forever, but it was very interesting, and I had a really good time uh, selling shirts and bread. 
as it turned out. Thanks to John for hosting and teaching that. Taught us the game in about an hour, which probably sounds intense, but it's a lot of game. The rule books alone are something else, so I, I just had a great time. That's enough about me and the games I've been playing lately. Let's get to this week's interview. I hope you enjoy it. I'm joined today by Aaron DeMaster. Aaron is the founder of Strong Tower Gamers and the Strong Tower Gaming Con or Gaming Convention. We'll talk all about that. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So Aaron, you and I met about six months ago at the delayed 2021 Gaming Hoopla. And then we re-met at the 2022 Hoopla. How was Gaming Hoopla for you? It was fantastic. Um, yeah, Jay and his team uh, there at Hoopla do a fantastic job. They've been doing this for many years now and are uh, definitely consummate professionals. They put together a fantastic show. I always run a lot of games and really just enjoy being there. Yeah, I saw you running some games. So what did you run while you were up there? I tend more towards the longer epic games. Um, but this year I, I kind of pulled it back. Um, I ran uh, Quacks Quedlinburg. Um, I actually ran a, um, a session of cribbage. Being from Wisconsin, it's kind of required. Uh, did Meadow. Let's see. Yokohama and uh base base so oh yeah, great good, kind of a smattering of the, the shorter kind of games a nice mix that's good i hope you got a chance to also just play some games and you didn't have to run the ball i definitely uh always leave a space for myself but if there are additional people who are interested i'm always willing to step aside and just run the game and you know, have more people involved any highlights for new games that you played uh, absolutely. Uh, Arc Nova is a, uh, is a new hotness favorite for me. Um, it, it does have a time commitment to it, but um, for anybody who has played that type of game before, there's not too much of a learning curve, but you definitely have to have uh, uh, know the time requirement going in. That's certainly the hotness, as you said. I saw it getting played a lot at Hoopla on a lot of tables, so people were clearly willing to put the time in to learn it. Yeah, absolutely. It took us almost five hours the first time through with uh, with four new players. It was a challenge, especially considering we finished at about 2.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a commitment. Well done. Aaron, you're in the Wisconsin area. So tell the listeners a little bit about where you're from and your background and how you came to be a gamer. I think I got into gaming a lot like uh, a lot of our other fellow gamers. We were introduced to it through family um, and you know grandparents and parents. Uh, and uh, my family is very close. We get together a lot uh, on the holidays and something that's always been part of those celebrations is getting together and playing some games. Uh, so that would be, uh, you know, it started out with just regular card games and then stretched into some more light games that you would see for the family environment. But I ex uh, expanded that out uh, after I got done with college and really kind of got into the more Euro style games. And during that college area, I also, you know, got into uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which, you know, I had to leave behind a number of years ago simply due to time uh, restrictions. And yeah, that's just kind of blossomed from there. I had a really good introduction to a large gaming group here in Wisconsin. So is Wisconsin home originally? Wisconsin is home. Yeah, I started out in the Sheboygan area 
and uh, spent seven years in Texas, where uh, so kind of get a different feel for for gaming in the in the South, which is I would say different, for sure. There's there's more emphasis I would say on the uh, the card game side of things. Uh, moved back about ten years ago and um, moved to the Milwaukee area. Okay, that's where I've been ever since. So, do they play any unusual card games in Texas? Well, I mean, I think it's more of a focus of on card games down there. Uh, of course, Texas Hold'em, poker, that sort of thing is much more uh, prevalent down there. I, I didn't really ex- experience a lot of the board game hysteria like I, I we run into here in the Midwest. Uh, that it there is that down there, but I would say the the focus is more on the the card gaming side of things. Interesting. So you mentioned having a lot of gaming in your family. And I think, again, like a lot of Midwesterners, we had a lot of card playing grandparents and card playing parents and even board gaming parents. What would you say was your first introduction to a hobby board game? My first kind of experience with this, I would say outside the family arena, would probably be something like, I think we were exposed to Catan and Ticket to Ride and and that those sort of things, uh, those gateway games that kind of draw you in from those people that you encounter in your small gaming groups. Uh, you might be playing cribbage and somebody pulls out, hey, I've got this new game. Do you want to try it? And that's kind of the, I think, the impetus of where I got into the, the hobby. Sure. And so now here you are years later playing Arc Nova. <laughs> right. So what do you think your path was like? So at some point, you got introduced to some of these games and did you kind of just immediately catch the bug or was there a a process to where you are today? When I moved back from Texas, I joined a a meetup group called Milcog, which you may have heard of Milwaukee Company of Gamers. Uh, It's a, it's an organization that uh, Jamie Phillip out of the Milwaukee area runs. And uh, it's, he would run events at his home very large events, I would say 50 plus members uh, would would get in and he owns a very large uh, collection of games. And yeah, I got the bug when I was there. Here's all these new things you've never seen before and you've never played before. And the nice thing about it, and I think you can find this in a lot of gaming groups is they are very inclusive and they're very willing to share their hobby. And there isn't a whole lot of gatekeeping. It's like, we want you to get in here and love our game. So we're willing to teach you how and, and hope that you become a gamer because, you know, expansion of the hobby is a benefit for all of us. And so from that, how did Strong Tower Gamers come to be? As many things changed, and I think you talked about this in some of your other podcasts, uh, the, the pandemic really affected a lot of us gamers uh, in a significant way. Uh, being that tabletop gaming and board games and uh, card games and whatnot, it is an interactive together activity. And when we all had to lock down, that changed the dynamic. We all had to shift to something else, be it some sort of online version of things um, or just you know playing with our immediate family. Uh, if that was a possibility. So in late 2020, uh, after having done a couple of these, I 
read uh, read a leadership book um, about kind of finding your focus and what you're what you're supposed to be doing with your life, right? The thing with that was take what you have and um, in terms of your skills and take what you love in terms of your passions and combine that. And that should be uh, along the lines of what you should be doing. So I run a lot of different event-oriented organizations. Um, uh, Midwest Cybersecurity Alliance. I run uh, a wine lovers uh, group. And taking that skills that I've garnered running these different groups and putting it with um, my passion for board gaming, it naturally came out to running an events-oriented, let's call it a conference or a convention, to bring gaming to uh, our friends here in uh, the Milwaukee area. And I would just say the Midwest as well, because we're hoping to draw from all over the place. And uh, I put the word out to other friends of ours in the, uh, in the Milwaukee area, hey, do you want to get involved with this? And many of them raised their hands and said, yeah, I want to I help out. And that was the genesis. We started in October of 2020. And we, we went to work right away doing a lot of Zoom meetings like you would uh, see and started building this convention from the ground up. Um, the thing is, though, is we have all been to many conventions before, be it Gen Con, Origins, Hoopla, as we man uh, mentioned earlier. Um, there's a couple conventions up here, Nexus, Fire and Ice, uh, WolfCon down in your uh, neck of the woods. And having been at all of these, we took the best parts of all of them that we encountered and tried to build the best possible convention starting from scratch. And so Strong Tower Gamers really always started with the idea of turning it into a convention. It wasn't really a group in and of itself that was just getting together and playing games. You always sort of had this vision in mind. Right. Well, ultimately, I mean, we're, we're a Christian-oriented group. We all have different groups that we run on a small scale. And when we say, you know, 15 to 30 people on a monthly basis. And we, we promote those internally to, you know, get people to come to the different events that we do. This was the idea that we would bring all of these together in one yearly large convention that um, would be a safe place for people to come and, and game and, you know, hang out talk about life, enjoy games. That was the genesis. So you talked about that idea of kind of looking at the conventions that were in the area and taking your favorite bits and pieces from all of them and kind of combine them together. So what, what has that become? What, when you kind of talk about like, this is what we think makes us special. These are the things we've taken that we think are going to make it really great. Talk to me about that. The idea is we're, we're starting as a relatively small convention, um, maxing out at 300. Uh, some would say, oh, wow, that's a big number. But I mean, given you looking at, say, Hoopla, for instance, and they're, when they reached their apex a few years ago, they were nearly pushing 600. The idea was to build out something that was a safe place for people to come and play games, um, uh, something that fit in uh, all of the, the, the proper schedule, the proper place, having a really good venue and providing a, you know, an environment that people will really enjoy coming to play. Um, 
we've got a different, a bunch of different uh, events going on. We've got different tournaments that will be going on with the, the convention. There will be um, special guests that will be having uh, come in, podcasters and such like that. that will be doing their own um, uh, live streaming from the event. Uh, we'll be doing a raffle, a consignment sale, all those things that we think add to the convention from a standpoint of what do gamers want when they're going to a con and what do they not want to be bothered with. And so is yours all ages? Is it is it age restricted? I can't remember if I noticed that. So no, we uh, it is all ages. We are uh, going to have a game library uh, there that we're encouraging families to come in and uh, essentially try it out. Primarily, we're shooting for weekend passes if we can, but uh, if a family wanted to come in for just one day, they certainly could do that if they wanted to. And um, so, yeah, it is it is all ages. Uh, as you know, you know, getting your little gamers started early is a great way to introduce them to a, a hobby that can be a lifelong thing. Uh, it's kind of like um, kind of like golf in that way. Right. I mean, you can play. Uh, as long as you is your mind is sharp enough to do that. So getting them started early, I think, is something great. And yes. And of course, anybody who wants to come, uh, we'd love to have them out. Who would you say you're aiming for audience wise? Are you are you casting a wide net and trying to get people who have maybe never experienced the hobby before? Or are you a little more targeted towards people who are already deep into gaming? What would you say is your hope in terms of who shows up? Yeah, so that's a good question. That has come up in our discussions a lot when we were planning this out. And the idea is we want to make a con that is comfortable and um, familiar to your to your gamers who have been in the hobby for a while. But we also want it to be inviting and make it very easy for a new person to come in and get involved with the hobby because... If you look at something like a gaming convention, that can be something that is a little bit daunting for somebody who has not been uh, to one of these before. And the idea is, of course, yes, we have a special area that is set aside for people that just want to do sit and go. You know, grab a game from the library, sit down with your friends and, and or family and just play a game. However, if you want to be that person that schedules yourself full and wants to go online and, and get all your games lined up, you can do that too. We've already set up all the technology. Everything's already in place for people to go and log in and sign in and, and register your games. Absolutely go for it. And uh, we want to make that very familiar for those folks who are, have done this before. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you do some crowdfunding to begin uh, to create a little seed money for Strong Towers? Yeah, actually, absolutely we did. Um, so we did a Kickstarter campaign, and that was in late February, early March, and it went uh, very well. We were able to get about 120 backers, uh, which was excellent um, at differing levels. Of course, uh, the base level would be you get your badge, uh, and that would be your badge for the weekend. And then we had a whole bunch of additional stretch goals, which were uh, initially we were going to be a two day convention. It was going to be Friday, Saturday, and we blew right through the, the last of the stretch goals to get to add the Sunday to our uh, to the con. Uh, 
we have a whole bunch of different merchandise where people wanted to get the the tote bag or the uh, the, the badge wallet or the challenge coin, which um, some of these things we thought were definitely out of the realm of us uh, being able to do. And it turns out that our backers were very interested in that. Um, so yes, it, it was great to have that seed money to have this year all fully paid for and have enough to put down for uh, 2023 right away. It was a great campaign and we look, we'll probably won't go back to the Kickstarter um, we're hoping that it uh, it will now have enough momentum to drive itself forward on its own. We're hoping that given the numbers that we're seeing right now, we should be able to pay for the next two years in advance. Um, and, you know, budgeting that out the way that we think we need to, um, we're hoping to, to, to keep that rolling. And then any money over and above that is actually going to go as a donation to um, the Salvation Army. So we're looking to do a donation every year to a different charity that will benefit from the activities that we do. What we're really looking to do is to make sure that the, the convention can be sustaining of itself and then whatever we have on the top, we'll just do as a donation. So let's talk a little bit about some of the activities. You briefly mentioned a few of them. Obviously, there's going to be a gaming floor. I think you mentioned a raffle. What are some others you'd like to highlight? So we uh, we have a number of different um, guests that are going to be coming in. Kane, Kane Klenko, who does a, a lot of different uh, game design, he'll be in as a, a guest of honor. Uh, we'll have uh, Randy and Ellen Kirby, who are, uh, they do a, a podcast uh, every Monday night, uh, their, their podcast is We Game Together, and they'll be uh, streaming live from our event. Uh, we're looking to do a number of different uh, tournaments and, and things like that. Um, one of the things that we're really looking uh, forward to doing is uh, possibly sending someone to the uh, World Series of Board Games uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, we just have to work out the logistics because their event actually occurs within a month after our, our event. So it could be a really tight turnaround. Oh, wow. um, but we're also going to be using, doing some additional uh, tournaments. Uh, we've got the Mage Group out of Madison, Wisconsin, coming in to run a series of games. Uh, we've got um, a group called LTN, or Love Thy Nerd, is coming in. They're, they're bringing eight volunteers from outside, from all over the place, to run series of games. Uh, for us. Uh, and then we also have um, Fight in the Skies or FITS. Um, they're going to be running some like World War One, World War Two uh, miniatures. Uh, it's airplane fighting. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of great things going on. And of course, we, we mentioned earlier the, the raffle and the consignment, um, uh, the piece as well. Are you doing an auction or some kind of game exchange as well? I can't remember. We are. We're doing a math trade. There'll be a big math trade. Uh, it's it's already out there and people can start signing up for that if they'd like. But the consignment sale is one of those things that's going to be really nice for people to do kind of an exchange, right? Bring your stuff in to, uh, to sell and hopefully you can find a bargain uh, on something else that you're looking for. For people who maybe haven't done a math trade before, do you care to take a crack at explaining it in 30 seconds? Sure. Uh, math trade. Uh, it is where you bring in your games that you wish to trade to someone else. 
And um, you go in and you, you list what games you would be willing to take in trade for that game. And an algorithm works in the background and it does these complicated uh, multi-person trades where you bring, say, your one game to, um, as an example, you give it to person A, but person X might give you their game because there's all sorts of these other trades that go on in the background where your game gets traded to this person and then to another two or three people down the road, where then finally the game that you wanted gets given to you. And that is um, a trade that you're okay with and you're willing to do. And this can happen in multiple ways where you may trade in five games where you may only actually get three back and the other two would maybe fail to be traded. Yeah, it's a great way to essentially change out your, your, your game collection. If you, you've gotten uh, bored of a particular game or maybe uh, it's coming off the shelf of shame and you're willing to, <laughs> to get rid of it uh, in lieu of getting something else that maybe you had your eye on for a long time or uh, is something that you want to get into your collection. You mentioned briefly uh, that Strong Tower is a Christian-based group. Just curious, how does that influence your decision-making with the convention, and does it have any influence on sort of the structure of what's going on? This is not a heavy-handed sort of thing, right? It's not like we're we're doing devotions before the, uh, sure. the event. Although there, I mean, there will be that available. It's not something that we're doing in the middle of the game at all, right? If you wanted to go and do that, um, there'll be that before the, the beginning of the day. Um, but it's really more about how we interact with other people in a way that um, uh, we think would be, you know, honoring as a Christian person, right? Um, we're not going to be doing that at all in terms of heavy handedness. It's going to feel like a, any other convention. Minus, of course, we're not going to be doing something like Demon Wars or something like that, right? We might we might have a little bit of a, uh, um, let's say, moratorium on some of the more, let's see, like less desirable games in that, in that space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, are we going to be super restricted? No. I mean, we're going to be doing RPGs. We're going to be running Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, sure. you can be a Christian and you can be a role player at the same time. Um, and, uh, that's the thing is understanding that we're here to, um, be a good example to our fellow, fellow gamers and to provide them with a great experience, um, without, you know, being all preachy on them because that's not what they want anyway. They, they want a fun environment where they can get together with other people and talk about, Hey, how's, how's life, life treating you for possible attendees? What would you like to share with them in terms of what your expectations of them are regarding their behavior, regarding their conduct? That's always potentially an issue at conventions, right? It's always good to sort of get out there. Hey, here's what we expect the code of conduct to be for people. And just because unfortunately, it's a thing we all have to deal with these days. I don't know if you have any kind of COVID protocols that you're dealing with. It's obviously months away from now. So who can make plans about that? But I just want to like give you a chance to talk about that. Yeah, no, that's a, a great uh great question. That's something that we've addressed early on. With regards to our code of conduct, we, we have a website. 
uh, it's strongtowergamers.com. And our code of conduct is right on there. Uh, what we expect our attendees to do is very black and white, very, uh, very basic as far as just be a good human being, right? But uh, right. there are some things that we will not tolerate, and that's spelled out very, very succinctly. As it relates to COVID, yeah, we're uh, obviously we have to follow whatever rules that the state of Wisconsin or the federal government put in place. Um, but that said, we are not planning on being more restrictive than what the state of Wisconsin wants to do. Um, we plan on being, you know, if you want to wear a mask, you certainly may, but we are not going to be enforcing that. Uh, if you are vaccinated, that's great. If not, we're not going to be checking for it. And, uh, you know, at, like you said, this is months from now, and, you know, we're going off in September. Who knows, right? We could be well past it and we're not seeing any new crazy variants or there could be something else. And we're just, we'll plan for the eventualities as they occur. And we send out very regular um, notifications to our attendees. We have a newsletter, we have all of that that is in place. And as things change, we'll be very cognizant of and communicative with our, with our attendees so that they know what they can expect. But for right now, we're expecting it to be essentially a normal convention without requiring masks and without necessarily requiring the vaccination. If you choose to wear a mask, nobody's going to say anything to you about that. And that's actually in our, um, that's in our COVID policy, that uh, if you harass somebody who's wearing a mask, that's considered harassment as much as the reverse. So, you know, essentially just be kind to your fellow attendee. Sure. And so prospective attendees, just check out that code of conduct. All right. Well, I'll give you a chance to kind of go one more time through all the particulars and get dates and times and prices and all that. But first, I think we should take a little moment to put you through the board game times mini game. Aaron, are you ready for the mini game? I am ready. All right. So first question, what is your gaming beverage of choice? I am in the same camp you are. I am a Diet Mountain Dew aficionado. Absolutely. Well done. Bravo. Uh, I, I probably consume way more of that than I should, but uh, I shamelessly do it anyway. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you, we consume way more of it than we should because we probably <laughs> shouldn't even have an ounce. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. It's a, it's a crazy flavor. What can I say? All right. Next question. What is your preferred number of players at the gaming table? So I know you've mentioned before that you thought that you might drop this question because you seem to get a lot of the same number. Uh, I'm going to switch it up, though. Uh, I know four is something that a lot of people say because it's a nice even number and you can do it with couples. But I find that five is actually a good uh, good number because it it adds that odd number. It isn't um, it's not necessarily teams. It's a large enough group that it can fill out some of these games that work well at five. Um, and, um, you know, I know some people that they don't like a whole lot of downtime in a game. And, you know, having all these really long turns can be problematic. But um, also having the ability to have a little extra time 
to plan your next move um, so that you're not constantly going, 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 going can help you in some of those longer strategic games. And as I mentioned, I like these epic longer games. So having a little bit of time to sit down and do some strategy can really be uh, a great thing. So five is a good number for me. All right. A firm defense for five players. Well put. Well defended. I like it. Your next question then. What do you feel is your most admirable gaming trait or behavior? Uh, I am... I'm not going to toot my own horn, but a lot of people have told me that I'm good at teaching. Um, I love to teach games. I like to um, lay things out in such a way that most people will understand the game and will have an ability to win the game, um, given that I, I provide as much information as possible, sometimes to my own detriment, because I teach them well enough to beat me at the game. Um but yeah, that's probably my best is I'm a, I'm a good teacher that way. Yeah. You don't like those teachers who an hour into the game say, oh, I forgot to tell you this one thing just as they do that one thing, right? And, and win the game. So the inevitable question then, what is your least admirable gaming trader behavior? I've heard this before and some of your other attendees, and that is uh, I can get a little sulky at the game table if I'm really getting trounced badly. Um, that said, you know, I think I can be better at that and I have gotten better, but um, yeah. All right. Well done. A fellow sulker. I've, I've definitely got a little bit of that. So we are works in progress, right? We are continually working on improving that. Right. Okay. Next question then. What is a type or genre of game that you love to play? I would say that I like deck builders. Um, so I don't think I've heard that too much from any of the other uh, interviewees. Um, I like deck builders that incorporate other game mechanics in it. So I like deck builders that do area control. And I like deck builders. So Dune is one of those things. Um, I like deck builders sort of like Clank in Space or, or the Clank games. Uh, those have always been interesting to me, all the way going back, all the way to the, the granddaddy, which is the, um, you know, Dominion and, mm -hmm. and that group. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's one that I really like. I, I think, you know, being a, a wide-ranging gamer, I like a lot of them, but right now that's kind of my, that's my sweet spot right now. All right. Well, the flip side of that one then, what's a type or genre of game? you really just don't enjoy. So some of these that are purely analytical that don't have any sort of uh, element of chance in them. Uh, these games that are strictly here are your choices and there's no roll of dice. There's no cart. There's no deck of anything. There's not, you know, a spinner or, or something like that where they're, for someone who is just getting into a game without knowing all the pure strategy, it can be a real problem as far as uh, a learning curve. Um, if you throw enough chance in there or just the right amount of chance with a, either a, a deck of cards, some dice, uh, something else where it levels the playing field against someone who may have played a bunch of times, it makes 
it much more attainable to those newer uh, newer gamers. So I that's one thing I don't like is just those pure strategy games that way. Okay. So you're maybe not a big 18xx train gamer type. Uh, that would be uh, that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple of other ones that are similar. Sure. But, no, those pure economic games, that's a that's a very different flavor of game. So completely yeah. understandable. Yeah. yeah. All right, then. Next question. What is a physical game component that you love? I think right now, um, something that I've really enjoyed is uh, uh, a bag with some bits in it. Quacks, for instance. Uh, you know, you've got all your stuff in there. Essentially, it's kind of a deck builder with uh, with a bag, if you think about it that way. Um, there's a number of different uh, games that are that have that mechanic. Orleans, uh, Quacks has that, where you're reaching in and you're to pull it out of the bag of wonder and find out what you've got. So that right now is kind of like my my favorite one. Being that I've been a gamer for a long time, I've got other ones that I enjoy, but I think right now that's my big place. A good bag with some good bits inside it. I like it. So now we get into some game questions. What is a game you own but have not yet played? Ooh, the shelf of shame question. Yeah. Um, the one that I've been wanting to get into that I haven't had a chance, and this one's a little bit uh, off the beaten path in terms, uh, is the Pandemic Fall of Rome. Um, I've had it for a while. I've been meeting to get to it. Uh, I keep hearing people stating that they love it, but... Being that we're still kind of getting out of a pandemic, I feel it's kind of inappropriate for a bit. So uh, I want to play it. It's still in shrink. And so that's kind of right now, that's the one that comes to mind. Okay. One day Rome will fall, but that day is mm -hmm. not today. Okay. Next question then. A game that you really want to play, but you never have? Uh, the new brass game. Uh, I think it's Lancaster. Uh, maybe uh -huh. there's Brass Lancashire, and which is a remake of the old Brass, I think. And then there's right. Brass Birmingham, Birmingham, which is slightly Birmingham. revised rules. Yeah, it's the Birmingham. So I played Lancashire, and um, I found it very heavy and thinky. Um, but everybody that I'm talking to is just saying Birmingham is uh, is awesome, and I have not been able to get uh, to get that to the table. I don't own it. I do have some friends that that do, and it's it's on my short list of things to get to the table. All right, I don't think you'll regret it. I don't think you'll regret it. I've, I've played it, and it's it's really good. I haven't played as much Lancashire, but Brass Birmingham is very fun, and it's probably got just enough luck in it. It doesn't have a ton of luck, but probably just enough that it, you'll be okay with it because it's got a little bit of a cards kind of introduce some some chance into right. it. So, yeah, the old brass I think is the one that would have been a little bit outside of my happy zone this one i think has got enough to make it uh, a little bit more uh, in my area and that's really why i want to get it to the table well i hope you get it to the table very soon finally then the last question what is a game you currently want to recommend and why so there's a game that i have played a number of years ago uh and it's always remains uh, near the top of my list and it's glory to rome um, it's the, the black box version. I don't know if you've played that one. Um, so essentially you are building different, uh, buildings within Rome. It's all, it's multi-use cards. It's those cards that have, 
it's a building, but it's also a um, it's a building material. It's also a um, a type of person. It's so a, any given card can be different things within the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can even be turned into victory points and things like that. So it's one of the very first games that have this multi-use card mechanic built into it. It's still the most elegant version of this type of game I think I've ever played. Uh, it's many years old. It, it's considered one of the worst ways to do a, a Kickstarter. Uh, if, you, <laughs> yeah. if you've heard the Kickstarter horror, horror story, um, the one good side of it is they did produce a very good game. It's, it's hard to get, uh, but if you, can, if you have friends that, uh, that have a copy of it, or if you can even get a hold of the old uh, uh, bubble pack version of, of the game, I highly recommend it. It's it's really good. It's four person, um, but it's yeah, it's it's got a lot of replayability to it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Okay, strong endorsement for Glory to Rome. Okay, congratulations, you made it through the mini game, and your gift for getting to the mini game is that you get to shamelessly promote yourself and shamelessly promote your convention. So we've talked about the convention, but we should get the particulars in here, right? The dates, the places, the times, the prices, the websites, all that. I will give you the microphone and let you go where you may. Absolutely. Okay, so Strong Tower Gaming Convention. Uh, We are going off on September 16th through the 18th of this year. Um, the a full end pass is $60. Um, we will be um, introducing daily passes, and those will be going off for $25 a piece uh, when those go for sale. Uh, tickets are for sale now, and you can go out to uh, strongtowergamers.com, all one word. Um, there are links there that will take you to the tabletop.events page where you can actually buy your, um, you can buy your badge. Uh, the StrongTowerGamers.com website also has all the particulars that you'll want to check out, all of our uh, dates, times, uh, the venue. It's at the uh, Brookfield Conference Center in Brookfield, Wisconsin, just a little bit west of uh, Milwaukee, right on I-94. Uh, so very easy to get there from anywhere in the Midwest, really. It's just, you just shoot up 94 if you're coming from Chicago, um, and then those folks in uh, Wisconsin will certainly know how to get to that area. Um, so yeah, uh, this is our first go through, uh, and it's looking to be an excellent convention. We were about half sold right now. Uh, we have 150 t- um, tickets sold. We have another 150 that are available, uh, and we're uh, they are actually going pretty quickly. So uh, we hope that everybody can get in, and we look forward to seeing you guys uh, and girls in uh, September of this year. Good luck to you guys, because I think uh, putting on your first convention, that's a lot of work and good on you for for going through that and doing it. And uh, it sounds like you're having a lot of success so far. So keep our fingers crossed that everything goes very well for you. Aaron DeMaster, thank you so much for being on the show today. Founder of Strong Tower Gamers and the Strong Tower Gaming Convention coming up in September. Aaron, best of luck to you and to all the organizers and to the convention. And thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Clark. Really appreciate it. All right. Take care. And that is it for this week's show. Thanks again to Aaron and check out the Strong Tower Gamers site if you are interested in attending their convention. 
Speaking of conventions, I'm going to be attending a couple over the next month or so. I'll be going to Unpub near Baltimore and Origins Game Fair in Columbus, Ohio. If you plan to be at either of those, please let me know. Love to meet up and chat and maybe play some games with you. If not, I'll uh, give you a report when I get back and let you know how those were. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please tell me about it. You can always reach me at Clark at BoardGameTimes.com. That's Times with an S. Or on the Board Game Times page on Facebook. I like to hear from folks. Love to hear what you're playing. Love to hear your suggestions for people to have on the show. And just hear about what your gaming experience is like in the Chicago area. You can also help me get the word out by rating and reviewing the podcast and telling your gaming friends to give me a listen. I'd love to hear what they think as well. As always, thanks for listening. Play lots of games. Be good to one another. And may all of your board game times be the best of times. Take care. Take care.